Hello, real estate world. Welcome to the Nova Show, real estate records. This is Nuria Rivera, owner of Novation Title. I wanted to create the space for you guys to be able to share success stories, but not only success stories. I also wanted you guys to be able to share raw stories, everything that you have learned from the failures, the lessons, the wins. This is a space for our community to come together so that we can help each other rise to the next level. This is a space to be vulnerable, and this is a space for us to all be able to support each other in this real estate world. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Nova Show, everybody. My name is Caitlin Nalder, and I am getting to be the host this week. And today with me, I have Sean Relton, a Park City realtor. He is originally from Wisconsin, um, top producing agent in Park City, and has worked pretty hard to get to where he is. And it's been an interesting journey. So hopefully today we get to hear the ins and outs of that. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> Glad to have you. Okay, so I had the chance to chat with you, gosh, uh, just the other day at coffee, and I almost wished that we had just recorded that whole conversation because I learned so much. So we'll probably dip back in on some things for our listeners, um, and hopefully we can kind of hit some of those really cool points that we already hit. That sounds great. Okay, perfect. So I guess you grew up in Wisconsin, and somehow ended up in Utah. And it, you've been in the industry for how many years in the real estate industry? Um, since, well, I, when I originally moved to Park City, I got my real estate license uh, in 1984. Nice. I didn't realize how little I knew then. So I let my license go and, and I got some jobs uh, to learn. So I'd have better life experiences. So okay. I was in a, my contiguous experience in real estate as I started appraising in 1992. And I did that up until I sold the company in 2014, but really other appraisers were managing it. By that time, I was, I had very little involvement and I sold it to the people who were working for me. And, but in 2009, I started selling real estate because things slowed down and I wanted to keep the appraisers working as much as they could. So. Hey. That's kind of the deal. You guys take over and, and start doing it and, and I'll give you the work. I won't try to compete with you. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So just to make sure I'm getting it right. So you got your license, your realtor license early in the game, but went straight into appraising. Is that well, right? I, I got it. And really I was 24 years old after college and just didn't have the experiences. I actually sold two things, but two properties. But uh, it just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge to really do a competent job. And the market was terrible. It was, you know, people are talking that five and a half percent interest rate is high. Back then it was 13 to 16%. Oh my gosh. And what year was this? You said that was 1984. 84. Okay. Okay. So with that in mind, it sounds like you've seen a lot and been through a lot in the industry, which is what likely gives you all your competence and your history and makes you the agent you are today. I want to back up a little bit and let's hear the story of how you went from Wisconsin to Park City, Utah. <laughs> I grew up on a lake in Wisconsin, Lake Geneva. And in the summer, I was really active because we were on the water, we were swimming, we were just doing a lot of stuff. In the winter, 
hey, it's cold in Wisconsin. What are you going to do? <laughs> if you're not snowmobiling, really, there wasn't much else to do. Um, so my parents got me skiing. They took me out to a place that's no longer there, Majestic Hills. And I started skiing. And it just so happened, a year later, my parents went on a trip to Switzerland on a lark, decided to ski. My dad fell in love with it. He turned into a ski bum. I consider myself a second generation ski bum. <laughs> yes. um, three years after I started skiing, we moved out to Incline Village, Nevada. Oh. On Lake Tahoe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, and my dad, now you go to the ski resorts and you see a bunch of people retiring and, and working at the ski resorts to meet people, to get a pass. And back then, they were like, what's this old dude doing these jobs for? My dad was literally a ski bum. And uh, I went to high school in, in Incline. Then after a few years, I started ski racing and I ended up at a, going to Vermont to a boarding school for ski racing. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, after graduating from there, I wasn't, because I started skiing late, I wasn't going to be on University of Utah's ski team, University of Vermont, Middlebury. I wasn't going to be. Yeah. But there was a college in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, that was calling and said, we want your racers. And one of my coaches said, you ought to go there. This is where your people are from. It's the Midwest. And I did. And it was a great experience. But I wanted to get back out west to go skiing. And I was going to go with a friend of Vale. And my dad was like, yeah, you know, my dad skied everywhere. Any chance he had to get chance to go to any different ski resort, he would go. And he said, you know, Vail, it's two and a half hours from the city. Now it can be five hours because of the traffic. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, there's a highway running right through the middle of it, right? Yeah. I said, yeah, I know. But, you know, my buddy's going to go there. We're going to work together and, and start a ski shop, which he did. Um, and I decided, he said, why don't you go to Park City? Go stay. I've got a condo there. You can stay there. I'll be there in end of November. You got to be out. Okay. <laughs> and I went out and played golf, ended up getting three jobs and tickets to see the Eurythmics at Park West. And yes. one of my buddies, Dar, who is still in Park City and coaches, we were standing there and I said, hey, I think I'm going to stay in Park City. This seems right. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's how I ended up in Park City. And I've been there ever since. And it, what my dad said, you know, the idea that the airport is so close. Um, it's just the right place for me. I mean, that's, he said, you know, living in Vail is like living on an island because you're so far away from the city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he couldn't, couldn't have seen the future any better than he did. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like your dad's a pretty smart guy. Did he have a background in predicting real estate things or what was his background and how did, well, how did you end up in real estate from we, a ski shop? We moved out. He, my the youngest by 10 years. And my father was starting a, a furniture business in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which was a resort town for Chicago. Mm. And so he was trying to move up to Lake Geneva because that's where he wanted to be. He wanted to live where he would play and do things. He loved boating. He liked fishing. Uh, he had a, a, an interesting relationship with golf. And so he wanted to be up in Lake Geneva. Okay. So he moved up there. Um, he moved up to Lake Geneva and he just really wanted to be in a resort town. That's what he always wanted to be in a small town. Mm -hmm. So that was it. He started buying property that he needed. Uh, and then like now we had a high inflationary period 
And my dad never finished high school. And my brother had just graduated University of Wisconsin. He said, dad, I think you leverage, you buy as much real estate as you can right wow. now because the values are gonna go up, your payments are go for it. And he did it. And, and that was what was able to make, allow him to be a ski bum without having to depend on that as income. Right, right. So, okay, so he ran, he had his own business. He wanted to be in the resort town. You are younger than your siblings by about 10 years, mm -hmm. you said. Yes. Okay, so you're kind of like an only child in a way, like separated from the older siblings a little bit. Yeah, someone would say a surprise. A surprise, <laughs> yes. And your dad has an, his, your older brother says, hey, dad, I would do real estate. Yeah. So he buy some properties. And I think you told me yesterday that it was in order to support his already furniture business. Yeah, most of it was the, the property he was using is what he owned, is the house, yeah. our store, some warehouses. Uh, but then they, you know, it got to be duplexes, storage units, commercial properties. Wow. They just kept buying and values went up and it was a resort town. People wanted to be there. Right. You know, it got easier and easier to get 72 miles outside of Chicago. Right. to be in Lake Geneva because of the highways and everything else. And that's kind of what's happened in Utah. You know, it's just gotten easier and easier to get here. And that's why our property values are going up. Great access to the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in that, I kind of followed him. And then real estate made sense to me. I kind of always knew I'd probably go into something that dealt with real estate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. At what age did you kind of figure that out? But you're like, I like this. This makes sense. You know, it was a little bit in college because I could see that, you know, if you maintain buildings, buildings paid you back. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I was looking at what to do in a resort town, it was hard back to make money back in, in Park City in the 80s. I mean, it wasn't the resort that it is now. It was in its earlier stages. Um, so real estate seemed pretty reasonable. Phrasing was great because, especially raising my kids, because I could, I didn't have to be at somebody's beck and call. They kind of mm -hmm. had to be available for me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was good to raise my kids. And when my kids got into high school is when I started uh, selling real estate, actually late in high school. I think my daughter had just about graduated. Okay. So okay. I was able to make all the soccer games, nice. ski races. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I got into selling real estate. And because yeah. really you're at the beck and call of your clients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it makes me think of how I think a lot of people see Park City now and they see Park City agents as like, oh man, like it's like a different world there. It's like high rolling. There's, there's a lot of status, but I love that you were there in the 80s when it was, it sounds like it was a different world. It was a whole different world, yeah. So what has it been like watching over the years, from the 80s up until now, what has that journey been like? It's funny. I always thought we would get as popular as we are now way earlier, mm. but it really didn't happen. I mean, Utah, we had a little bit different culture. We had different liquor laws. <laughs> yeah. um, we always, you know, the airport has always been pretty good. And when it became a Delta hub, I guess it was a Western, it was a big one for Western before they bought, Delta bought them. Um, that's when it really started to get good. And Vail gave us, just because of their, their, their past structure, 
they gave us a whole nother people group of people from all the different failed resorts that could, hey, I don't have to pay for lift tickets. I've already bought my pass. Right, right. So I can go and see it. And that guy in Vail had a really international name. Colorado's done a much better job than Utah as exploiting, not exploiting, as getting people involved in the Western um, Western living. Yeah, know? totally. Well, and for people, listeners who don't understand skiing and the resort, essentially there are, there are partner resorts that say, hey, you can pay this much for a pass and you have access to this resort in this state, this one in this one. And so you're saying that through Vail, it partnered up with Park City in a way. Well, they bought it. I mean, they Vail bought it. Okay. Vail buys the resorts. Okay. Um, uh, Altera is kind of partner resorts because oh, they don't own yeah. Altera doesn't own all the resorts that are on their pass. It's a little bit different pass structure, but Vail was a big one. I mean, I remember back in the '90s, I taught skiing at Deer Valley. It was one of the ski bum jobs I did. Uh, I remember when Vail first went public and they had to disclose how many skier days they had. They had more skier days at Vail in the at the point in time in the '90s than all of Utah. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's how big Vail is. Uh, yeah. The amount of people, Colorado skiing is is huge. It's still probably multiples over. Yeah, yeah, over yeah. Utah. Yeah, but Park City is catching up. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's getting to the point. It's kind. Of, it has a name. It's made a name for itself. It's a very livable community, mm-hmm. uh, year-round community. Um. I mean, I think that's pretty important. That's yeah. what people have liked that have come here from Vail and yeah. lower altitude too. Yeah, that's true. Kind of nice. Um, okay, so the appraising portion of your mm-hmm. background, I've seen and read in some of your bios, it talks about how like you know your numbers and it's attributed in a large part to your time appraising. Yes. And knowing how to give certain clients like market value, good competitive advice. Would you say that sounds about right? I think it is. Um, You know, if you talk to real estate agents, they talk, they break it down in the simplest of terms for value, cost per square foot. Mm -hmm. Um, Appraisers break it down into the amenity packages that it has, location, view, condition, quality, and they break it down and really stratify and make a job or not stratify, make adjustments based on, on the different profiles that a property has, whether it's new construction, older construction, mm-hmm. if part of it's in the basement, if part of it's uh, most of all above ground, just the way we break it out and look at it, I think has, has more validity, especially in custom home markets like Park State, where you can have a two and a half million dollar house next to a $7 million house. Well, we'll how did that happen? Right, right. You know, Why is there such a big jump there? Yeah. And, you know, was it, is it land values? Is it ski access? Is it views? Is it construction? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and why are those things so much? And sometimes with people that are buying second and third homes, they have so much disposable income. It's a whim. Yeah. <laughs> that they just, I'm going to buy that. And sometimes you scratch your head and say, wow, that guy won the buyer lottery. Because... <laughs> somebody really overpaid for the property. And, but that's a needle in the haystack fire. And you want to price a, price something that, that, that might be just above the market because everyone wants to hopefully get a little bit more than the last guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if you price it too high, it sits there and gets stale. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're finding out in this market is somebody will start looking for a two and a half million dollar house. They'll end up with a $3 million house, $4 million house, because they can come up with more money. At a certain point, if they find something that checks enough boxes, they'll just say, I'm going to buy it. I don't want to deal with spending more time looking for a house. This is great. Okay, so you're working with a population that has usually pretty disposable income. Yes. And not exclusively. I mean, no, right. There's there's always a variety, but probably more so than in the valley. I would think so. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a very sophisticated, high net worth group. They want to be up there. They're willing to spend more money to be in the place they want to be. Um, and this might, it's likely their second or third home. It's not really where I specialize is, sure. the, is the big numbers, but that's where you see the most um, oddities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. You know, when people have a great degree of disposable income. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know a lot of realtors right now are talking about the shift in the market going from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And I'm really curious if that has impacted Park City and if you've seen any shifts or what that looks like and what you're seeing for your team. Um, and my team being just me and Allie, because I really don't, I never want to be a part of a huge team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more of a personal touch guy. Yeah. Just want to clear that. <laughs> yes, yes, your team <laughs> is you and Allie. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, we're seeing a balancing of, of going from, an incredible seller's market to more of a balance between buyer and seller property. Um, people are, we're seeing more supply on the marketplace, on the market, mm -hmm. but the really good homes are still really desirable. People are grabbing them. Uh, people are, a lot of our deals start out for sure as cash deals. Yeah. Like people say, you know, I can pay $1.5 million cash on that property. Now, they'll probably go back and refinance it afterwards because you can get through the mortgage companies and get the same as cash financing within 30 or 60 days. Mm -hmm. um, and people were really doing that when the interest rates were low. Right. They're using their ability to pay cash. To win. And it. then they're to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're financing now. Nice. Okay. Okay. And so. Oh, but what am I, what am I seeing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're just having a little bit of a hiccup. Mm -hmm. Even five and a half percent, as I said, in 1984, 86, it was like 13, 16 percent. Um, this is still pretty good value. And, yeah. and what the Fed's doing is they're raising interest rates to slow down the economy. Mm -hmm. And then that also gives them some elasticity to drop it down to refire it up again. Right. So I think we'll, go, we'll, we'll see more ebbs and flows in the interest rate. And then that's opportunity for people to say, listen, I can shave a point off of my, my interest rate. I can save that money. Yeah. That's money in my pocket. Yeah. And that's a refinance and yeah. that's doing what it takes. Yeah. That's, a, that's kind of what I'm seeing as well. I know that there are some people out there who are very fearful, but the message that I've heard over and over again is 2008 will never happen again. No, because people are, I mean, getting a, getting financing right now is like, it's like, it's like a monetary strip search. <laughs> I mean, before in 2006, you could, 
if you could steam a mirror with your breath, you could get a loan. Right, right. Now you really have to show what you've got going. The you know, they want to see right before you sign that loan. They want to see. They have their conditions. If I want to see your bank statements, I want to know if you've written any checks, whatever. If you bought anything, everything, else. everything right before the loan closes, you could still lose it by doing by spending money. You know, when we're going and buying a new car. Mm -hmm. So yes. I think they're they're very on point, uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a stronger market. It's a hiccup. This market wasn't going to just go be going screaming upwards forever. No, it couldn't. No. That's not sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned earlier your team, right? And you mm -hmm. said that's me and Allie. Yeah. So I met you through Allie North mm -hmm. and she introduced us. And Allie North, she has been an agent for what? About how long now? Just, I think she just got her probably just about a year right now. About a year. So yeah. I am so curious about what made you decide to partner up with Allie and what did you see in her that as a new young agent that you're like, let's like, come with me and I'll mentor you. You know, I've never really, when the people I've hired, I've had for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So I've never gone through my last assistant I had for, I don't know, eight, six or eight years. Uh, I had appraisers that were with me for 15 years, yeah, 18 years. Um, so I'm not really sa that savvy on the whole, let's look at a resume and do it. And I saw Allie came in, she was a hairdresser. And I was like, on, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. Is it big claw bangs and nails? And, and, uh, and then I met her and I really liked her. I, and what she really sold me on, because I need a little bit of selling, I interviewed some people and nothing felt great. And I've got to work in the same office with this person. Um, was the, her customer service and everything else. And then after talking to people about it and kind of laughing at myself that I wasn't an inter interviewer, uh, people had said that, you know, people in, the, in the, that business, in the hairdressing, whatever, are very entrepreneurial. And it's customer service. If you're standing around doing somebody's hair, you have to be able to carry on a conversation for a couple hours. Yeah. And it, it can be tough when you first meet somebody and you put them in your car and you're taking them around showing them property, you know, it really helps so you can talk to them, you know, instead mm -hmm. of the awkward silence. <laughs> and sometimes awkward silence is just fine too, because, you know, it is what it is. Right. But she's been great and she's been learning and she's been, she pushes me on stuff and, and that's good. I, mean, I love I think that. It's really great. It's we're, we have a good time and she's, <laughs> you know, she's a ski bum at heart too. So she's yes. a gold miner's daughter. She lived in Tahoe. I think that it was, it, it felt comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. She's someone that felt familiar just straight out the gate. Yeah. And she's such an easy person to talk to and great to be around. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So shifting again, I am wondering for newer agents because you were in the industry, but not a realtor for a while, right? Would, well, I was going to say, would you recommend most people do that? But it sounds like, I mean, Allie went from the hair industry to having a supportive mentor and she's kind of built for it as well. Yeah. And so I'm really curious, like, do you have any advice for young realtors? 
don't be afraid to work for someone. I mean, really, that's, I think that's a great way to watch what happens. I was appraising. I had watched realtors yeah. and things they did. There's a few things that always irked me about real estate agents. Um, and I didn't want to do that. But then you've got to get in front of people to talk to them. So how do you do that? It's, you know, talking to people, being able to, why you're the person that they should be using, being able to express that. The appraisal really helped with that because I could understand what it was. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I struggled the first couple of years. I was lucky that I had groups of people that trust me. And I, you know, within a couple of months, I had my first sale. I had three or four people that wanted to be my first sale. Uh, and one guy went out <laughs> um, and uh, still friends who I did a pretty decent job. And uh, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's a grind. You have to look yeah. at it. There's another person in our office, Jesse. And I told her, I said, you can't look at this as a one year and let's see if it works out. It's a, at least you have to put five years in. I like that. Because I mean, I'm 10 years in now. I guess 13 years in now. Uh, uh, and, and I really understand how to get out of my way better than I did even five years ago or seven years ago. What, what does that look like getting out of your own way? You know, first of all, I think I tell people more things that are wrong with the house than are right. It's their job to, to like the house. Um, but you can get into the minutia of everything. And then that clouds up people's head. Mm, yeah. You know, the little things. It's like when you renovate a house and you see like one thing that was a mistake, that's all you can focus on. <laughs> right. But once the house is done, you kind of look back and you say, hey, this is pretty nice. It's a, it's, it's a house at the place I love. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not looking at that one little thing that you made the wrong decision on. Right, right. So you don't want to focus on the small things. Do they deserve to, to look at them and understand them? If it's important to them, I would, I would definitely point out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but if I see, well, you know, and people say, well, God, I think I can live with that paint job. And I tell them you won't, you're spending a million two on this house. You're going to come in and repaint it. You're going to, and there's carpet in the bedrooms. You're going to rip all that carpet out. Yeah. You got to know that that's going to happen. Yeah. But just trying to keep things simple. And it's not in hiding something from somebody, but, you know, it's like when you have a, a list of things to do and they're in your head, it seems like they're so cumbersome. Right. But if you write them down, you go, oh, that's doable. You Very. Know? So you have to keep the list to what people are thinking about. And I write things down for people and send them emails, breaking down things when I think that they're, they're overthinking something. Sure, sure. Well, and that sounds a lot like being self-aware as a realtor and also being aware of your client's needs, right? Yeah. Because like you said, there are some clients who are going to really want every detail and it's almost your job to be able to hold space, to let them want every detail, give them every detail, but then also help them take a step back mm -hmm. and look at big picture and not get so stuck in all the details to the point that they're paralyzed. In the minutiae. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. So let's make sure I'm hearing it right. So your advice to younger realtors would be five years, it's a grind, don't get in your own way. Mm -hmm. And 
be able, I, these are my words for it, but like learn how to adapt to your clients and be supportive and give yes. them perspective. Yes. Be open. I mean, there's so many realtors that, that I bump into even to this day, uh, and I don't see it so much in it. I do see it in experienced people. You don't have to know everything. You're not going to know everything. Right. Be One open of, that you can, A, be wrong. Two, you can always say, you know what, can I go and check that out? I think I know the answer. Here's what I'm thinking it is, but I want to check it out. I don't want to just act like I know everything. Because you don't know. If you don't know for absolutely sure, be humble. Absolutely. One of my favorite podcasts I listen to, she talks about ask really smart people dumb questions and to not be afraid to ask the questions. And one of the most valuable things that I think I've learned in this industry is ego, not letting it get in the way and be willing to say, hey, I don't know, or I think I know, but let's go let me make sure for you because I care about you more than I care about being right. Yeah, exactly. Or pretending to be right. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Be curious. There's so much to learn. Well, and when we were talking the other day about be curious, you, you told me that you did some like construction odd jobs. Yeah. And like, you were going to open a ski shop, ski bum, you taught ski lessons, you also did appraising. Um, what made you decide to sell the appraising company? Because you built it up. It was the number one in Park City, right? It was the largest. I didn't think we had the most appraisers in Park City, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it's a tough industry and it's getting tougher. I mean, you've got to have appraiser independence, the mortgage person can't order the appraisal and AMC has to do it. And they want to take money. You know, if the appraisal fees $450, they want to take $150 for them. And mm -hmm. then you have to answer the appraisal management company's letter. And then, so that costs you money to do that in time. And then they send it to the underwriter who's actually getting the loan and they have questions on it. And they want you to write a letter. So by the time it whittles down, it's really, it's tough to make money doing the business. Uh, and they just, because now they won't trust, because there was untrustworthy people in 2006, 2005, you know, they're just throwing garbage out there. Then now they don't trust anybody. And, and it's hard. It's, it's, it's a hard business to be in. I got sick of it too. Yeah. You know, it was the same thing. I got sick of it, but I also really liked the work because I was out looking at homes. I was in the office working on paper and I could do my own hours. You know, I could work in the evening if I wanted to. Um, some, you know, I just, it was nice. It was, I really had a lot more control of my schedule. Yeah. I'm trying to have more with Allie. I'm trying to have more control of my <laughs> schedule and she helps me out and people really respond well to her. So I think that's working out well. That's amazing. Yeah. So Presently, it sounds like before Allie, in your being a realtor, you were busy, like all the time you were a one man show. You did have help. I had an assistant. You had an assistant. Had some, I've never had anyone licensed. There you go. And so going on vacation, it was like, well, how do I deal with that? You know. Yeah, probably didn't happen very often, I would guess. I felt more uncomfortable going on vacation. I feel better now. Nice. Because you got to let things go. You got to go out and take, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of somebody else. Absolutely. It's kind of like uh, 
the waterfall analogy, like if there's no water coming and drop from above coming into that pool down below, how's that pool down below going to feed other other yeah other people with that water? Yeah, yeah for sure. Hmm. And it, so it, yeah, I, I, it's just it's tough. I was busy before Allie, and, and I'm. It was just good. I mean, I've been good. I know a lot of people in Park City, and once I got experience, I got I get a lot of referrals. So another thing I want to ask you about is authenticity and being able to be your most authentic self, like the skier that you are, and also being able to combine that with building a successful business clientele for yourself. And have you seen authenticity really like play into you connecting with the people around you? Have you felt like you could show up as yourself always? What has that journey been like? I, you know, I can't, I've just got to be true to myself. And if, if there's going to be some people that aren't going to respond to me. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it is. And then there's going to be friends of mine who might work with somebody else that they know. And you can't let that get in your way. You know, and they didn't do anything bad to me. They're just, they've got other friends that are in real estate. In Park City, there's yeah. a thousand realtors. I mean, you cannot... You, can, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting <laughs> Um, And you just have to be who you are. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to be out there listing $30 million homes. It's just not me. No. You know, I just, and to, would I like to sell that? Oh, yeah, sure. Because you I wouldn't like, say no. <laughs> I wouldn't say no, but it's not something I aspire to. I like, I like being able to see the people that I sell in the grocery store, at the ski resort. Uh, at the coffee shop, yeah. um, you know, on, on Round Valley, out and I bumped into somebody on Skid Row the other day. Yeah. A client that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And <laughs> I went by and I said, Mark, and he's like, hey, <laughs> it was awesome. You know, people really enjoying what Park City is, a, a really nice alpine town that's year round. That you can get outside and have fun while also building a family to home. Yeah, it's, it is a home. It's great. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Just jumping back into the authenticity point. I think that that's really powerful. Something else I've noticed in my short time in this industry is that it would be so easy to get lost in being someone you're not in order to get the business you want. And it's also really important to follow through with that grind yeah. and push yourself, you know? And I think it takes thick skin to be able to be in this industry and understand like, yeah, my friend is going to use a different realtor. It's not personal. Yeah. And that not everyone is going to be for you. Like you're not going to be a perfect match with everyone. And there are some people you'll jive great with, but if you can go in, care about your client and do the job well and look out for them, that's, that's key. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I tell somebody, it's like, I'm not smart enough to lie because I can't remember the lies. <laughs> right? It's too so much work. <laughs> So you can only be who you are because I can't remember who I have to be for somebody. Oh, you know, I, I am what I am. You yeah. Know, I, that's, that's all I can do. <laughs> that's right. And there are people that like, everyone is able to find their people. Yeah. And 
I think if you just trust the process and the journey, it comes together. Um, I was thinking the other day about willow if you ever see willow growing along like canal mm-hmm. banks and stuff yeah. so it's a really interesting plant that um it actually loves being eaten by the deer and chopped down and it just keeps growing yeah. it keeps growing and i and it's flexible it can bend yeah but it still is willow and it still stands tall and grows yeah. and i was just thinking about how much that relates to being in this industry and how like sometimes like there are like things that happen that will really cut you down and just be kind of feel like big blows, you know, but you've got to be able to just keep growing. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is an emo- buying a house, selling a house is an incredibly emotional time for people and how they take choose to take their emotions out. <laughs> sometimes it's directed at the real estate agent, whether you're doing a competent job or not. Yeah. You know, even you can do everything right and they can still blame it all on something going bad on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can't argue with people on that. You just say, just accept it. And that's how they're dealing with it. It's so And human. you move on. Yeah. And you move on. They're, they're just getting upset. I get upset. Yeah. And you just have to accept that. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, you have to be able to bend a little bit and let the wind push you around. Yeah. And be an observer and just notice like, Hey, yeah, they're feeling a lot of big emotions right now. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's hard buying a home. It's yeah. emotional. And this is how they're dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to hold space, I think that is what makes a fantastic realtor to be able to remember the structure, but to let there be that room yeah. and that space. Um, okay. Just a couple of like quick, like bullet round questions. So what are the top three things that have contributed to your growth and where you are today? If you had to just pick three off the top of your head, what are they? Um, you know, I actually have, I work for a guy, Mike Mazzoni, who, own, who owns our company and watching him and everything he went through. He actually worked for me as an appraiser and then I watched him become a broker. We end up owning commercial spaces in the same building. And watching him, I think Mike Mazzoni was a lot of growth for me. Wow. Because he just kind of, he went out, he tried everything to get started. And he's very successful, uh, very honest. And I really like watching him. Uh, I think the praising was very important. And having a background that's more in depth than just selling real estate. You know, you have to, your depth of knowledge it's like when I was a kid, you know, you, someone said, oh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, kind of a progressive rock band back in the 70s. Oh, they're all classically trained musicians, so they must be great. You know, I think that's a classic training that you get is having a background other than that, whether it's mortgage, whether it's title, whether it's, you know, you just, you want to have something more in your quiver than just, okay, hey, this is a great house, Bob, buy it. Right, right. Um, That and be able to sit back and self-evaluate situations, you know, really be critical of yourself. Yeah. And see how you can make yourself better the next time. Because you're not going to be perfect. Nobody is. No. And when you only aim for perfection, you will be so bummed out all the time. Yeah. (laughs) But if you can have a growth mindset 
man, you can go places. Yeah, don't let great get in the way of good. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I love that. My dad would often tell me that in yeah. high school when I was writing papers. You, know, you, can't, you can't be perfect. You yeah, can't, just, be, just be good. good yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, next question. How do you prepare for a successful week? You know what? I get up in the morning and try to get some exercise in whether it's walking my dog, weeding my garden, going for a bike ride, go for a ski, go for a hike, up, you know, up, up at Park City in the morning in the winters, uh, or maybe get out for a couple hours during the day. I get much more done when I've taken care of myself first. Yep. And really that, and every day is an event. So you got to just set up to be ready and flexible and ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, what piece of advice would you give your younger self as a new agent? I wouldn't listen to myself. Because <laughs> uh, my kids don't listen to me. You know what you want to do. Um, I don't know what I would. Um, I, I actually quit drinking almost 10 years ago. I probably yeah. said would have probably would have done that a little bit earlier. But yeah. it, that, it never, like my wife said, never got in your way. Mm -hmm. um but i probably would have stopped that earlier because it just doesn't make any sense and the more you look back at it when you don't drink anymore that's it yeah you're like oh wow my body feels better yeah incredible yeah <laughs> yeah i just awesome. it feels good so i guess that's, that's i like it. that I mean, taking care of yourself yeah I and mean, then that goes in the same thing you got to take care of yourself every day and yeah because you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself yeah yeah Sure can. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Sean, for coming and being with me today. This has been an awesome conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, how can people follow you on social if they want to see what you are up to? Probably the best way is Sean Agency PC on Instagram. Awesome. I'm also on Facebook, although I don't use that as much. The agency PC Sean Railton. Awesome. And that's how you can find me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sean. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate us, like us, and share this podcast with our real estate community. The Nova Show Real Estate Record, sharing raw stories of real estate failures, lessons, wins, and successes. This is all from Novation Title, bringing a different experience into your world so that we can all uplift each other. Until next time.